Hello, and welcome to Deep and Wide. I'm Pat Walter, and thank you for joining me. Deep and Wide is a weekly podcast that dives into the deeper things of the Christian faith, as well as a wide variety of culturally relevant topics. The goal of our podcast is to challenge growth and inspire hope. Please enjoy this week's episode. All right, guys. Thank you guys again for joining me at Deep and Wide. Really appreciate it. If you guys could do me a favor and please go check me out on Instagram. Uh, my personal is pastor underscore PW or the podcast is deep, the letter N wide podcast. Um, and go follow, please. Um, e- even throw some comments, DMs, love input. I love to dialogue with you guys. Uh, Facebook, I just have a personal one, is my regular Pat Walter on Facebook. And then uh, this week's episode, again, is brought to you like by Resolute Ministries. It's the ministry that uh, takes care of widows and orphans and missionaries in Belize. And in Kenya, we're also just kind of just doing great stuff, creating content. And the podcast is on that website. Uh, and I would love it if you guys could support it or if you could even uh, give through Anchor if you guys are going through Anchor. Everything goes back into the ministry or back into the podcast if you give to the podcast. I want to keep it going and give you guys the stuff that you want to hear. So uh, let's get into this episode where we are going to talk about discipleship and why Sunday morning is not the best place to make disciples. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, we're continuing on in our discipleship series, and what does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, a disciple is somebody who wants to uh, not just know what the teacher or, or Lord Jesus knows, but to be like our Lord and Master is, and that only happens by following Him closely. And then last week, we talked about the importance of the Word of God, and um why we need to be in the Word and its role in our lives. And uh, so th- so this week, I'm going to really just kind of hone in on a, some more of the basics. And I'm going to start it with the premise that, that Sunday morning gatherings, or what we call worship services, are not bad, but they're not designed to make disciples. So what does that mean? Sunday morning, we're all used to the American church uh, has thrived for years on our Sunday morning worship services or gatherings or whatever it is that your church calls it. But the truth is they're really not designed to make disciples effectively. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the problems or the um, failures or anything like that about the Sunday morning gathering. But what I really want to do is focus again on that on this discipleship. So what does it mean to grow as a disciple if the Sunday morning isn't designed to do it? Um, I'm not saying, again, that they're bad, uh, but we get a teaching. We worship uh, as a corporate body, which is fantastic, and I'm so happy that, that we're able to do it again. But again, it's not designed to make disciples. So uh, if we look at the life of Jesus, who is the, our Lord and our Savior and our Master and our King, and he is the one that we are following, let's look at what most of his life was doing. And that wasn't corporate teaching. Jesus spent the majority of his time with a few and not the multitude. Jesus spent his time walking along the way, 
teaching his their disciples, correcting uh, false beliefs, uh, re-teaching really what he had to do in, in the whole Beatitudes where you have heard it said, but I say to you, so basically this is what you've heard, this is what you know, but here's the truth and the, the intention behind what you have heard. And so that way they can live them out. And then they, some of the best teachings in the book of John are, are with just the disciples. He spent the majority of his time with just his 12. We know that there were 70 also with him uh, the majority of the time, and, and that's where he, he devoted his time. So if we look at his model where, hey, most of my time is spent with a few people, uh, and then occasionally he gave corporate teachings, and again, without getting into too many nitty-gritties, he gave the most difficult teachings to the multitudes. It was when the multitudes began to follow him as he would he would challenge, hey, you're only following me because I gave you some fish and some bread and I multiplied it and I fed you and, and you were full or you saw some healing. You're only following me because you want some physical sustenance or you want to see more miracles and healings. You're not following me to follow me. One of my favorite stories is when Jesus uh, turns to the multitude and he gives this really hard teaching. He says, unless you eat of my flesh, unless you uh, drink of my blood, you'll have no part of me. And that really stumped them. Again, there's a whole lot more. I'm paraphrasing. Um, and then he looks to his disciples and he says, hey, do you want to go too? Since many left him at that time, they said, do you want to go too? And then we know Peter, the brash one, he said, where would we go? You are the, you have the words of eternal life. Uh, but most of his most difficult teachings that actually challenged people to stop following him happened uh, at the, when, when multitudes gathered. So again, not saying it's bad, but Jesus spent most of his time with the 12. And so I'm going to talk about five quick things. Um, and then we're going to elaborate on these five things that I think uh, scripture shows and experience, I feel like uh, it takes to make disciples. And we'll talk about far more than these five, but one of them's time. Uh, we have to recognize that this is a journey that has to be intentional. Um, it's not something that happens overnight as much as we would love it to be. Even one of the par- parables that Jesus taught, he said, uh, you know, it's like the mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds, will eventually grow. That's our faith, right? So we grow from faith to faith according to Scripture. But this takes time. I mean, these guys were three and a half years with the Messiah himself, and they still had more to learn. After three and a half years, Peter still denies him. Right, And then he lives this journey. Uh, Paul took a long time after encountering the Christ before he began his public ministry because it takes time and intentionality to grow into maturity as a believer. Okay, Uh, And again, it's not even like we reach perfection or like there's this utopian, uh, beautiful, perfect place that we reach. And all of a sudden, it's like the the, the clouds open. We've made it. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we just kind of come to this place to where walking with Jesus looks different over time. Uh, where I was when I first said yes to Christ and so started following him is different than where it is right now. And hopefully there's more maturity and patience and depth and work and healing and wholeness. And there's there's these things, uh, some a steadfastness about my faith uh, than when it, it sprouts up and it's exciting. Uh, number two, the second thing that disciples uh, really takes to be one is community. This, and, and we'll probably talk the most about this one, is discipleship doesn't happen alone or just one-on-one. 
One-on-one meetings are great. I have lots of them. One of my favorite things, but that's not just where it happens. Um, and it doesn't happen alone. I know how many people say, oh, it's just me and Jesus or me, Jesus and nature. Um, it was, we were never intended to be isolated or alone. We were created for community and that's where discipleship happens. And so here in a few minutes, that's where I'm going to probably spend a, a lot of my time talking about uh, that one is community and the importance of it. Uh, number three is disciples need transparency. Uh, we we have to be genuine and we have to be open and transparent and honest. Um, you know, one of the words we get for hip- hypocrites um, and, and was the knock even on the, the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees was the fact that they weren't really honest and transparent. They wanted people to see them a certain way, but inwardly they were not that way. They were not open, honest, transparent, genuine. They had no character, um, and there was no confession. Confession is a big deal. Uh, If we confess our sins one to another, we will be healed. And I'm not saying like the Catholics or priests, but I'm just saying is confession is healthy. Accountability is good to a certain extent. I think that we can overdo it sometimes. Uh, But again, we, we have to say, hey, I want to change. I'm a hot mess, and, and all, I, I say that from the pulpit when I preach at Grace City. Hey, I am a hot mess, but I know it, and God is working with me, and, my, and the ones close to me know about my issues, and they encourage me, correct me, and help me along the way. So transparency is a really, really big deal in being a disciple. Number three, or four, sorry, number four is patience. Guys, we have to be patient with the process. We have to be patient with ourselves and with somebody else if we're discipling them. So as a disciple, we have to be patient with ourselves and we have to be patient with people, especially if we're uh, walking. And when I say we're discipling somebody, really what I mean is we're walking with them. Okay, it's not my job to make a disciple look a certain way. Discipleship really happens in community because I don't want to look like one person. I want to look like Christ. And we're all doing our best to look like him. And we might be drawn to certain people. There's really a, a handful of people I would consider my spiritual fathers or mentors along the way. Uh, but they've been patient with me and I have not been patient with myself. And that's why I say this one is, is guys, we cannot change overnight. Uh, it takes time and growth. And that's why God uh, or God through Christ says so much about the harvest and, and growing. And it's like this slow seasonal thing. In some seasons, you're bearing much fruit. In other seasons, God's pruning. Uh, but, but we have to be patient with the process. And lastly, guys, uh, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that works with the Word. It works within the community. It works through prayer and truth is essential. The Holy Spirit is the changing agent. Uh, Apart from the Holy Spirit who indwells us, fills us, leads us into all truth, is our helper and our counselor. Apart from the Holy Spirit, there really is no growth. And and if we're adverse to the Holy Spirit, um, well, then I pray that you will uh, ask the Lord to reveal through Scripture if that's your only means um, of understanding, and I hope you know what I mean by that, is is some people will, well, I'm Scripture only, I don't need the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit wrote the Scripture, and the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart, and so we need both. It's a both and in this one. And so those are the five things really quick, and then I want to walk through some things. It's time, community, transparency, patience, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that we need above all else, okay? And uh, I'm going to take a quick drink. I'm sorry, but uh, I'm tired. So here's the deal. We, uh, I, I hounded scripture last week, but we need scripture. But here's what a part I want to say is we need to go through scripture together. Uh, we need to pray for one another. And this is kind of where we bear with one another and we teach each other. 
Um, and, and this is why I, I love the Sunday morning, but that's one teaching for 30 minutes to maybe an hour if you're you know, like a Reformed or John Piper fan. You got an hour sermon there. Some guys can get it out in 30 minutes. Um, so based on that, and if that's your only teaching, well, that's not going to give you enough growth. If anything, you should be taking that teaching and studying it and diving in and looking at the scriptures for yourselves. Um, but the reason why I think that... Uh, being in the Word and community is so important, is believers need to be able to ask questions. Uh, this is why it's hard in the corporate gathering, is if, if if a preacher says something, and I'm new in the Lord, and all of a sudden I got a question, I can't answer it, ask it right there. I mean, and yes, again, guys, we, we can go and uh, write it down, go back and find somebody and ask the question. I'm not saying it's unreasonable, but again, sometimes in the midst of just being in conversation or being with community or just a few people or a few friends, man, and we're talking about scripture together or we're learning something, I'm like, man, uh, why did why did God create it in six days and not 16? Why did, and again, we don't always know the answers. Uh, my nine-year-old has so many questions. I'm like, bro, I I'm not God. I don't have all the answers. But 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 he's asking the questions. I mean, one of his questions just blew my mind the other day. He said, uh, "God it, it, or Dad, why did God create us and put us on earth um, if he knew he was just going to take us to heaven eventually? I mean, it's a great question. We had a great conversation about it. And uh, but but he has that freedom to ask questions, and it really happens in authentic relationships. Uh, one of the things we also like to look at is uh, Acts 2.42. And again, this is not a formula, but it's something that we can look at to see uh, that God utilized in the multiplication of the church. Acts 2.42 through through 48 uh, says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, aka what we call the Word. They were devoted to the Word. They were devoted to prayer, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. And so again, they, and they again in other parts of Acts, they met from house to house, and it's one of these things to where it doesn't talk a lot in the book of Acts about the corporate gathering, unless Paul is uh, addressing a large multitude to preach really just the gospel itself to a bunch of either Jews or Greeks or non-believers. It wasn't his preferred place for the teaching or the gathering. Even when he went to the synagogue, the large gathering, it was really to debate uh, Jesus as the way rather than, hey, I'm going to teach uh, people. But what we saw is in Ephesus and other places, he would go from house to house and teach uh, in the small gathering. But they always were breaking bread together and they were fellowshipping. And we see this uh, when they talk about communion in in Corinthians where he's like, hey, when you guys get together in your home, wait. I mean, if you you can't wait because you're hungry, just eat at home, but then come and then you you have fellowship with your brothers and sisters and then you guys are going to take communion and break bread together there. And so it's, it's in these smaller gatherings where we see the ability to do these things. Um, they they uh, also, I think, in the small gathering is where we garner those deep relationships and accountability and transparency. Um, if I go into a new group, I generally don't just jump and give out my stuff. This is why uh, I hesitate when we talk about small groups or things like that or doing curriculum-based things. Hey, you guys are with these guys for 10 weeks, these guys for 10 weeks, rotate all this. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying these things are bad, but if I'm going to develop a deep relationship where I'm going to let somebody into my innermost stuff and try to get my heart healed, let God's word impact me and change me, I usually don't meet a new group of people within the four weeks. I'm telling them my inner, deepest, most thoughts hurts, habits, hangups, failures, you know, all that stuff. You know, we talk about CR and all that stuff. It generally comes when we get these deep 
relationships. And one of the greatest ways to build even a basic relationship introductory is breaking bread, eating together, guys. Just eat together uh, is a big deal. I love A, we love food, but B, uh, we we can just talk. We can hang out. It doesn't always have to be uh, heavy spiritual, but it gives that introduction to where we can get to that place. Um, And one more thing that I think this is, uh, to me, one, 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 one of the most important things and, and why I love the small gathering that we cannot do in the large gathering effectively. I'm not saying we can't do it at all and nobody can do it, but we can't do it effectively. And that is uh, being able to walk in our gifts. You see in the small gathering is where a lot of times I've discovered the gifts that I have and the opportunity to practice and walk in them was in the small gathering. When I was a newer believer, I was with a good friend, mentor, and spiritual father, Nick Limbo, and he had a group of us uh, guys. I think there was like seven young guys and we would go through the word and uh, it was some intense and we would pray together. Guys, this is where like it all started for me was in a small group. And, and from there, like I can go out through my walk with the Lord of the most impactful moments were usually in small gatherings. But it's where I learned what uh, for me, what prophecy was and, and how, you know, how do I hear the Lord's voice? It, it's uh, the gifts of even just communication or leadership or having a, somebody who poured into my life and could identify those gifts and then walk me through how to use them. Uh, but I can't do that on Sunday morning. Listen, if if, if the, the Spirit leads me to walk it with one of the gifts, and it's not even just the spiritual gifts of like tongues and prophecy I'm talking about, I'm just talking about the gifts in general, um, even hospitality, unless, I mean, you can join a hospitality team and I get it. But what what set Abraham apart was his hospitality in his home. He let people in his home. That's what uh, the the Jews were known for is their hospitality. Um, And and it's in these gatherings that we learn what our gifts are. And again, I'm not going to interrupt the Sunday morning service um, or worship service or teaching moment because the spirit is stirring me and I I feel like I can walk in a gift. That would be what we call inappropriate or things like that. But in a small gathering... If we're in a time of prayer or learning and one of the gifts or even learning the gift of teaching, I had, and, and I really want to emphasize the gift of teaching isn't a pulpit teaching gift. You can be a phenomenal teacher and not have a platform or pulpit that you preach from, but you can effectively teach in small groups, small gatherings, one-on-one. Some of the best teachers I've ever met aren't people who love the pulpit, but they just love that small gathering. And I think that that's where I really discovered my ability to teach. My first time I ever taught a Bible study was in a small gathering, and I learned how to develop the gift. Um, And so this is a great place where we can learn it. But I want to say this about gifts for a second is the, as we learn and develop and understand our gifts, sometimes it's really hard not to see um, Christianity, our life and believers and the church without seeing through the lens of our gift. And what I mean by that is the worshiper who loves to worship and their gift is uh, maybe it's instrument and worship. And that's like their way of relating to God is to worship the Lord. They see uh, the Lord and the church and everything through that lens. And then let's say you have the evangelist who just wants to go out and preach the gospel, get people saved. Maybe they like street evangelism, one-on-one evangelism. And they're over here looking at the worship leader 
leader saying, hey, get off the dang platform. Let's come out here and let's get some people saved. And the worship person is like, hey, maybe we get more people saved if we spent more time in the presence of God. And then you're over here with the teacher and you say, teacher, what? Man, you're over here just studying the Bible and he, and the evangelist is getting frustrated. And then you got the prophet who's given prophetic words and you got somebody in hospitality. He's like, guys, can't we just get all along and just come to my house and hang out? And so we, we have a hard time not seeing each other without seeing through our lens. But what we have to understand is the beauty of it and the way that God created this is so that each and every one of us brings these aspects of the body together and the unity is found in Christ. And so we need the prophet, the evangelist, the worship leader, the hospitality person, the, the one who has the gift of leadership, uh, all, all these different people to, to not just see through their lens alone, but to see through all of our lenses collectively because we all play a role in the body. Listen, the finger is never going to be a good knee because that's not his created intention. But we all share the same mission and purpose, which is to be the body that glorifies God. So we have the same intention and purpose, but not the way that we effectively do it. But it's in this community where we can learn these gifts walk in them, and then learn how to unify for the glory of God. Okay, and so this is another reason why I think that just the small gathering is the best and most effective way uh, way to be a disciple. And lastly is really, guys, the one another's. John 13, 35 has been a super impactful verse is, uh, the whole world will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. Um, again, I, we love each other on Sunday, but it's really hard in an hour and a half when I really, again, I spend my time trying to catch up with people, run around, bounce, 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 especially if I'm speaking, then I'm thinking about what I'm preaching about. Um, and even if I'm not, it's just it's just kind of a busy day. I got three kids, man. I got to figure out where they are, where they went, who they're talking to because there's little social butterflies. Uh, but if you look at the one another's, again, there's 59 one another's in the New Testament alone. And many of these cannot be done in the corporate gathering. Uh, washing one another's feet, um, honoring one another by ourselves. But, but this is where we can honor our pastors and our leaders. But it's in this small gathering, guys, where we can really, really walk in the one another's and, and the people outside of the church, the people outside of the body of Christ can look in the way that I love, serve, interact with my brothers and sisters in Christ and say, man, who is the God that he serves? Because he really loves his brother and his sister and these groups of people, um, it's not always prevalent on a Sunday morning, um, in my experience. And again, I want to reiterate, I have nothing against the corporate gathering. It's just not the most effective way for me to love my brothers and sisters, to get to know them, to serve alongside them. And again, this is where it's like, guys, even in our small gatherings is we can go do outreaches. We can go minister to people. Uh, but the truth is it's in these groups that we're, we are really creating launching pads for growth, equipping, and sending. You see, the hard thing about the corporate church, again, we don't talk about the sending a lot. We don't talk about, hey, we're preparing people to go, which is we are, and that's part of the intention. Uh, but what we're trying to do is, again, we're worshiping together. And, and this is what I say about the, the large corporate gathering. It really should be the place where we celebrate 
obviously the Lord in our worship, but it's the culmination of all the work that we've done together throughout the week. Whether it's in our, uh, we're uh, marketplace missionaries in our workplaces, whether it's uh, in our small groups or the stay-at-home moms, or uh, maybe it's somebody in ministry, and there's all these different bodies uh, moving around and pieces moving, and we are celebrating the work of God that we have done throughout the week, and we're praising Him, we're high-fiving and celebrating our brothers and sisters that we had community and communion with that week, and all the different groups across the city that, that we are celebrating what we've done and that we're getting all on the same page with the, with the teaching that our leadership felt like we needed as a body to hear. So we get on the same page and then we go out and we do the work of the ministry. That, that's really what we're called to do, guys. Like th- that's it. That's our lot in life is to gather, to praise, to worship, um, to be disciples that go out and do the work of the ministry. And so to wrap this up in a not so beautiful bow tie is when I say Sunday morning isn't made for discipleship, I'm saying Sunday morning should be the celebration of walking as a disciple throughout the week with the people that God has placed me with because it's going to take time, community, transparency, patience, and the Holy Spirit to be discipled over time. And again, and as we grow in it, guys, then we, then we, then we grab somebody to walk with us. This is the way of Yeshua. We walk with him and we grab others to walk with us. We're, we're not some ninja master disciplers. We're just walking with people because I can't change anybody. Only God can change them. Only, only the Holy Spirit is the changing agent. I just point to Jesus, point to his word, Help them along the way. Uh, maybe bring some correction. Maybe bring some encouragement. Uh, whatever it is the Holy Spirit leads, that's what we do. And we do it together. Disciples are made together. Amen. Uh, well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Um, I look forward to next week where we'll probably wrap up discipleship um, and then we'll jump into some new topics. So again, please uh, like this, share this, communicate it with other people if you felt it was beneficial. Love you guys and God bless. Hey everyone, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to let you know about a really cool tool I've been using. It's called Anchor and it helps me record, edit, and upload all of my podcasts. Most of all, it's free, guys, which is pretty cool. The other cool thing is it has uh, background music built in. It automatically uploads to Spotify and Apple. It does all of the things that you need to make an amazing podcast for you. And so uh, I encourage you to download it. Go check out uh, Anchor at the App Store and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode. I hope you liked what you heard, and if you did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share with all of your friends and family. I would love to hear any comments, any suggestions, or any questions, so I can get to them on future episodes. Thank you again for joining me. I'm Pat Walter, and I'll talk to you next week.